Well, we got here a song here by the vegan radio station. Yep. One, two, three, four. My new co-host Low V. <laughs> this is my new co-host DG. <laughs> We're new co-hosts of Vegan Radio 2.0. Refurbished. Refurbished. Revisited. Being reborn in a new city. Speaking of visited, we're going to talk about our visit with the Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary at their July Jamboree. That's and, right. That's right. The weekend of love and magic. <laughs> there was love and magic. There was um, love between humans and animals. The vegan connection is strong up there. <laughs> it sure was. Um, we had two interviews. The first we're gonna play for you is uh, with a wonderful artist activist, Sue Coe, <laughs> author of Dead Meat and some other books. Part two of some kind. <laughs> Dead Meat sequel, which just came out, and uh, I cannot for the life of me remember the name of it, Lovi. I remember it had part <laughs> two in it or something like that. She's going to mention it in the podcast. Yeah, and, so y'all hear it. And then we'll put it as a link on our website. Because so. you really have to go online to look at look at uh, Suko's work to really get what she's talking about. But here you'll get to hear how eloquently she yes. puts her... And how beautifully I described her paintings, don't you think? <laughs> it was very, it was very good. It was just like they were sitting there before you when it, I was describing. You would have imagined, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were not. <laughs> we were in a lovely outdoor setting at the farm sanctuary, the animal sanctuary, and roosters and turkeys and ducks and yeah, oh my, bunny rabbits. Yeah, they don't make much noise. No, oh. only when no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so we're just going to play this first segment. That's an interview with Sue Ko, and then we'll be back with more um, loveliness. Can everyone say their name? My name is Lauren. My name is Sue Ko. My name is Derek Edwin. <laughs> and this is the Resurrection of Vegan Radio with my new co-host, Lauren Lovey. Lovey. And our first ever new guest, Sue Ko, <laughs> artist extraordinaire, um, so you have a new book out what's what's your new book oh, I'm not here to talk about the new book we're here right now <laughs> at Woodstock Farmed Animal Sanctuary and it's beautiful yeah it's a great day we're July Jamboree met the animals met the, uh, Dylan the vegan maker <laughs> um, they're beautiful animals and just to see so many people here and they're so happy. Animals, non-humans, and humans being very happy. It's a lovely day. Have you ever been here before? No, never. I've never been here before. Oh, this, so this is quite an honor for us. Well, it's a lovely place. Everyone must come here. And Lauren, this is your second time here? It's my second time ever here, and I love it. 
And the sun is shining. Yeah. It's got a little bit of rain. Yeah, and the food is awesome. Vegan oh. food. Vegan oh. mac and cheese. Yeah, mac and cheese. Deal. That is what I wanted. <laughs> Vegan donuts from Brooklyn. Done well donuts were here this yeah. morning. They were fabulous. They went quick. Who, what, what did you have? I had the raspberry. Um, I'm saving mine for later. Okay. The long drive home. But that's the first <laughs> thing I saw when I got here was lines of people for the food. Yeah. Because there's varieties of vegan food. And those lines never abated. <laughs> yeah. The lines for food are crazy out there. And then there's lines for face painting. Yeah. <laughs> lines for arts and crafts. Yeah. 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 I think this is the most successful uh, iteration of this event so far. Yeah. I'm so glad to be here at this. This yeah. is like amazing. It's been phenomenal. Do you ever paint pictures of happy... Happy animals. This is the question I'm always asked. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. But um, I think people need to see the hard stuff because they can choose. Not We don't need to eat animals to be healthy. In fact, quite the reverse. So I think people do need to see them. And my paintings aren't for um, our comrades, other vegans. They're for non-vegans. And they open up a dialogue and people start to question... Um, their philosophy why are we breeding animals just to murder them when we don't need their flesh we don't need their milk and so that's what the work's for the, the work it's a narrative that opens up dialogue I, I, I once had the poster of uh, that you painted Queenie escaping Queenie and it was like a, a whole scene where she escaped from a slaughterhouse yes. and ran the police were chasing her and then at the very top of the image was she was at farm sanctuary yes, with a rainbow rescued. and yeah that was like the happiest picture i ever saw you do well the sad part of the picture which um is in the book this cool book is they closed the slaughterhouse because queenie escaped she was named queenie because she came from queens and they left the animals in there for one week with no food and no water in 90 degree summer temperatures oh my god that's, that's so the sad part which i've also painted because um, we went there and we did uh, there were just dead piles of animals and the ones on the top had stayed alive for a week oh waiting to be rescued and they were as thin as paper just picking them up you could hear their racing you could hear their hearts racing wow. and when we opened the doors it was just dark in there we didn't know it was the summer in morning and we didn't know and it was right on a street so all the people that had passed that slaughterhouse knew had no idea because the doors were locked and the guys came with keys to open up the slaughterhouse and um, when we asked if we could take them and um all the people passed there with their baby carriages and their you know ipads and their lives passing a few feet away when there were hundreds of animals inside in the dark all that death with no water yeah was it dying i mean was there like a smell emanating you know i don't even remember the smell i just remember we had to get them out really quickly and i wasn't used to rescue i've never really done rescues and there was some uh, incredible animal rights activists that volunteered to load up the trucks um that's that was our only concern because it was so hot and they had no water for a week and they were literally dying and the ones that were rescued together stayed together in the sanctuary, even though they were different species. Wow. So they never went with their own species. They stayed as survivors. 
Isn't it, isn't it kind of like a testament to how their will to live is so strong that they even lasted a week in the Can 90 Can you imagine a human being going for a week without water? <laughs> no. In, what, yeah, they say that's not even possible. Yeah. Right. So when they say it's not even possible, it's not true because right. they still were alive. And they still had some hope. There must have been something that kept them alive. Of course, the will to live. Yeah, the will to live. So that's the other side of the happy painting of the cow that was rescued. I was going to say, even that painting isn't, you know, it's not like bright, happy colors. It's very like, it's the Suko style all dark. And even, you know, up up at the top, there's like a little bit of a happy scene, but it's... The overall feeling right. of it is kind of well it's still. dread i mean that's any non-human is born into a life of dread of what's yeah. going to happen to yeah. them even a lot of humans yeah exactly yeah. the humans that, the humans, humans that work in the slaughterhouses yeah to, you, you've so you originally went into slaughterhouses and oh i went in when i was a sketch. kid i went in when i was about eight because it was next door to where i lived so oh, I was wow. used to talking to those guys, and I started making drawings pretty early on. <coughs> and then you went around the country doing that? or I went around the country doing it. <laughs> so it's not easy to get into a slaughterhouse, so when I get the opportunity, I go for it. You know, because I always meet someone whose cousin works in a, a stockyard or slaughterhouse, and then they say, well, I'll get you in. And I go, oh, no, you can't. And they go, oh, of course I can come with me at 5am so there I am in some motel waiting to be got by some guy that's going to introduce me to his cousin somewhere in Des Moines <laughs> <laughs> so that's how it works and do they know what you're uh, um, what you're going to be doing or they just well they can see what I do because I'm drawing so anyone that doesn't like the drawing or thinks it's inaccurate can just uh, rip it up yeah. and that's happened um, occasionally I've had inaccuracies and they'll point out, oh, that doesn't work that way. Um, and they, slaughterhouse workers, the staff don't want to be, they don't want their faces shown, but they like having their portraits done afterwards so I can do their portraits. <laughs> That's funny. And how does, do you, uh, do you feel like the exploitation of the people too? Do you, do you include that in your paintings or? Um, I do, but not. You know, if you have too many different agendas as an artist, you end up with grey. And I like work that's black and white, not many different shades of grey. I think that's a popular book now. <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> you know, if you're going into this sort of work, you need to have a viewpoint. And my viewpoint is from the most oppressed. Human beings, however oppressed they are, in the slaughterhouse and the meatpacking industry can still leave. Um, a non-human cannot leave. There's no exit for an animal in a slaughterhouse. It's not even designed to walk out. It's only designed to walk in. Um, the human can walk out. The animal cannot walk out. Lip physically cannot. Once they're in, they're in those chutes to the restraining pen. Um, <clears throat> you also did a book that it kind of reminded me of a children's book, but it was about sh- sheep. And um, could you talk about, I think a lot of people have, you know, they think of wool and they think that sheep are, are not mistreated in that process. Could you talk a little about what happens with the sheep and the wool industry? Um, well, as far as I know, when I did the research for the sheep, I mean, the British Empire was built on wool. That's why the judges sit on wool sacks, it's called. Um, but sheep 
came to Australia originally, this is hundreds of years ago, so the sailors could rape them. Because if they had um, intimacy with each other, that, that was the death penalty in the Navy. Um, and they couldn't go on a three-year or year-and-a-half voyage when all the sailors were being executed um, for being intimate with each other. So they brought along sheep for that use value. And that's how sheep got to Australia with the prison convoys. Um, now, when you think of millions of sheep being raised, you only think of female because all the males are killed. So people don't realize that with factory farming, you're really only talking about females. I'm generalizing, but 99% of females, males are slaughtered, lambs are taken away and slaughtered um, a few months, a few months old. You know, they're torn away from their mother and killed because they're males, they have no real value. Um, so then all these sheep in Australia are mucilled, which means their vaginal folds are cut out so they don't get fly strike. Now, this is millions of sheep. And then the wool, obviously, is used, but mainly this is for the Middle East. It's live um, on the hoof, live um, market for the Middle East, which is growing exponentially. So this is a three-and-a-half-week voyage from Perth, Australia, to Jordan or anywhere in the Middle East, where the animals are come in on a factory farm ship where the ones in the lower tiers are blind because the urine just drops down through the slats and they're just fed pellets so you get a 10% death rate just on the voyage and then they're slaughtered without obviously there's no humane slaughter but they're slaughtered in ways that are just unbelievably horrifying where you know because they don't have restraining pens in the Middle East um, so they blind the animals to bring them down. The large animals uh, will be blinded to bring them down so they can exsanguinate them. But anyway, that's where your lovely wool jumper comes from, your wool sweater. It's a history of cruelty starting off with um, the prison ships, starting off with forcing people that resisted the British Empire into a life of prison in Australia. The sheep went with them and that's part of the story very small part but the british empire is built on the wall trade that's crazy disgusting <laughs> 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 yeah <clears throat> and are you are you from england i am from england <laughs> so it's just interesting to me how the wealth of england was built on sheep right well, the word uh, cattle is the derived from capital or meant cap. I think like the original form of um, capital it means was uh, decapitate. It's it's head of, right? So it's um, capital capitalism, right? Um, the decapitated head. So everything, all our lexicon of language comes from it. The wealth right. stock market meant where the stock was herded together and sold. So right. stock market comes from murdering, comes from blood. That's that's the history. Definitely. And there's one of your one of my favorite paintings of yours is Wall Street with the yeah that's pile of it used to be Wall Street. Um, the reason it had a wall, this is really interesting. The reason Wall Street had a wall was to stop American Indians from trading. So the wall was built so only Europeans could trade, 
inside the walled interior. Wow. And yep. it was the abattoir, of course, because that was part of the trade. So the blood would run down Wall Street into the East River. So you've got two... This is why history is so glorious. You have two perfect examples of, um, how, of power and control yeah. in, in use of animals and the use of human beings. Yeah. Ooh. <coughs> so what's your new book about? Rainbows and unicorns? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do do a lot of happy animals uh, because they're beautiful and they're beautiful to draw. So I have lots of those. But I think I'm, I'm going to do... Uh, the Grimm brothers did a lot of very positive animal stories. So I'm working on that now. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> they're positive. They're not... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But your book that just came out, I just you have a, one that's recently out, right? Yeah, it's called Cruel, and it's the second part of the first book. It's called Dead Meat. This is called Cruel, and it incorporates um, aquatic creatures, which the first book didn't. And it also has a lot of science, which I didn't feel I could write during the time of Dead Meat. Still can't write, so I got help with it. So it's about the science of um, intensive farming. That's cool. I can't wait to look at it. <coughs> and what one more? Um, we were talking earlier about abolitionism. Could you just sum up your um, stance on on where that <laughs> vegan movement's at right now, and and well, where you think we need to go? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> sum it up. <laughs> uh, before, like twenty five years ago, when I got involved with the animal rights movement, animal liberation, I didn't think there was a schism between. Uh, welfare and rights I might have been naive but I didn't think they were mutually competitive I didn't I didn't feel there was a gulf now I do feel there's a gulf I see it becoming a marketing tool I see it becoming happy meat um, which is a way for people to um, a way for the meat industry to build new markets um, yes incremental change is always positive yes it can lead to a more enlightened consumer but generally I don't think this is where our focus should be and I think it's a disaster and it's very unfortunate that now because of all our work we've done so much education about veganism and animal liberation now that seems to be we're walking backwards and planet ocean doesn't have that time it doesn't have the incremental steps time um, we're not we probably only have 30 years of fossil fuel left so all animal agriculture there's no such thing as a small family farm dealing with animal agriculture if you're, you're farming your animal you're killing you're murdering you're part of the problem so it, the rest is a numbers game and people are ready and open to be educated and they're ready to, and open to change that they don't need to murder anything to be healthy and, and stay healthy and we don't need to do this on any level so I think to go that route of labelling in terms of humane what's more humane or less humane is, is a terrible tragedy for our, for our struggle and in the history of social justice it doesn't work it just it gives the um, meat industry, it gives them an, a, literally another market, and it's always done that. So if we're 
um, you know, if we're struggling for, you know, women's rights, I just don't want equal pay on a Friday. No. That's not good enough. And it That's never is good enough. You know, and animals can't speak. We have to speak in the best way we can. I mean, they can speak and they're crying. They're screaming if we can hear their voices. Uh, it's not good enough only to slaughter them eight days a week and then for half a day have, you know, happy meat. That's not good enough. So that's it. And I've given thought to this. It's not a quick... It's for 25 years I've done... Been accepting of both ways. But now, no. I don't think so. Enough time's passed now that I think we can really start to push vegan. Um, and just stop funding the meat industry. Because it only exists because it's subsidized with taxpayers' money. We need to subsidize animal... Um, Plant-based agriculture should be subsidized, not the other way around. Absolutely. And not, not the plants that are being used to feed the animals, which, exactly. is, which is part of what's subsidized Soy and now. corn, right? <coughs> yeah. Only GMO, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Things that people won't eat or shouldn't Yeah, eat. which has been banned in so many countries. Yeah. Uh, so, but you, you, have, you feel like a positive... I do feel very positive. And I think the movement has to be more democratic that um, we need a change of leadership. We need much more rights-based ideas now. We need creativity. I mean, I saw Captain Watson speak, and he was incredibly brilliant. He said it's about imagination. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's about my, not, oh, I'm a vegan, but I don't think all you peasants can be vegans. For you, I'm going to struggle for humane, happy meat. Well, if I'm a vegan, you can be a vegan too. Right. You know, that's called respecting other people. Um, so I think there's a lot of inspirational people that should be in the leadership now. Um, this must be more like a democracy. You can't just be there running non-profits for like 40 years <laughs> or 20 years. It's time for you to move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, yeah. We need some more women up there too, right? Well, we need uh, different cultures. We need women. I mean, not. I mean, I come from yeah, a country of Margaret Thatcher. Less white so people. <laughs> <laughs> less white people. Less white men. Less white heterosexual men. Let's just change it and have well, just younger people be good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're coming. Yeah. I promise. Well, yeah. I'm, I might be too old to be a younger person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be a leader, though. <laughs> exactly. And I don't uh. need to be a leader as well. So I think people that need to be leaders actually shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ones who think they should be probably shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> I, think it's, I think a group movement is, is on its way. Yeah. Like, I, think, I think power in numbers is really where exactly. it's at. And, you know, being in New York City, especially, we're lucky because we're covered. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're surrounded yeah. in a vegan bubble, essentially, yes. when we want to be. Yeah. So it's been really fabulous. And I think from what I've seen in the past year, just of being immersed in it, it's coming. Yeah, I mean, look at Occupy is, Wall Street. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was such an inspiration after years and years and years of top-down leadership types. There was no leaders. That's good. There's just um, discussions, ideas. Yeah. No leaders at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. that's what drove the media crazy. There, yeah. <laughs> they had no one who can we talk to? to who's in charge of this? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's it's it's anarchy. It's chaos. It's yeah, never going to work. Right. We're just giving free hugs in Union Square. Yeah. <laughs> that's all we do. Oh well, I'll be I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh good. <clears throat> Any anything else, Suko? Uh, you're an inspiration. Well, 
Look at those. Animals are inspiration. There's pigeons flying over us now. Yeah. And I wish everyone listening to this could be here. Because it's Everyone, just well, they kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> this is the beauty of the... You know, yeah. earlier when you were saying, what were you saying? Something about uh, oh, the walking by the slaughterhouse, just, <clears throat> you know, all these people walking by. Yeah. And, and, you know, 12 feet away, there was all these animals suffering. Dying. But it's it's kind of a metaphor for modern life because we're all you know we're all living these lives and <clears throat> but we're dependent on all these other atrocities there that are happening in our name just around somewhere hidden away from us where even in new york city you know we walk around and there's all this trash everywhere all the time and where does it go you know where where is all this animal food coming from that's feeding all these people mm-hmm. in the city and and you know, it it might not be literally twelve mm-hmm. feet away, but it is in this close. in this world where everything's so interconnected. Everything is kind of in a different way. Mm-hmm. It is that close to us all the time, and we're carrying this uh, psychic burden of all that violence and destruction and wastefulness and greed. Yes, we need to we need to get rid of it so that we can evolve. I, I couldn't have said that better. <laughs> I've been working on well. I've been working on that speech for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on my speaking tour. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been great to see you again. Thank you. It was really nice to meet thank you. you. I'm excited to see all your work. Okay. Yep, I'm going to turn around to it. Bye. Hi, Vegan Radio. <laughs> 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 okay, so that was uh my speech on evolution and <laughs> <laughs> the talk uh, we had with Suko yes, at the July Jamboree. It was a magical day. It was magical. Yep. Our first trip to Woodstock Sanctuary together. That's right. Yep. First interviews together and our first ever live music performance together. Oh my God. Yep. Oh my God. ODG and Low V. The DG and Low V. That's a very so, clever name. Yeah, we came up with it. Just a few <laughs> minutes before we played. <laughs> so, and we had a set list for at least 10 seconds. Yeah, well, well, the, well the, the thing with this performance was that we never uh, practiced together. <laughs> <laughs> so we just took turns playing songs. But everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. You'll hear the audience especially, reaction. Especially Lo V's honey voice. Oh. It's like vegan honey. Be free honey. <laughs> So we're going to take a little musical break here and play um, Lo V's performance. This is my song called Bun Song because it's about wow. my bunny. Who's here with us now as we record. He is, he is. He's just licking himself like a cutie. He's licking himself? He is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's privacy. Not on the radio buns. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to share such Maybe we could, we could get up there with the microphone and get the, the sound effect of that. Oh. <laughs> oh no, let's just play the song and then uh, yeah. and then we'll come back with more shenanigans. <laughs> Alright, so I wrote this song. Deal with that. Is it about a bunny? It's about my rabbit. Very appropriate, I thought. I, lo- I love the story. Could you just tell the audience the story? About So, if anyone here has a rabbit or has a rabbit that they're close to, they like you, but they just don't, they, they just don't love you the way other animals can do, always. They kind of keep to themselves, and they like to go about their business, and 
I really want my rabbit to love me a lot. So I've written this song. It's a and song I, of unrequited love. <laughs> it's my pining for my bunny song. And uh, I'm really pining hard for him, as you'll see. <laughs> I hope you enjoy. Life is a bunny, seems a tragedy. When you're a bunny, you're never really running free. Someone's always out to get you for meat or for or your fee. How could I make you see? You could really trust me and just give in to love, give in to love, give in, give in, give in, just give in, oh, give in, give in to love, give in to love. I can feel the love. Running around the fields, jump into the sky above. Practice for your runaway, no need to run from my love. And you had my touch, so you run from a world embrace. Pull you closer still I see it in Your face You wanna Give in to love Give in to love Give in, just give in Give in, just give in Give in Give in to love Give in to love Give in to love I give in to love, give in, just give in, give in, just give in, oh, oh. give in, give in to love, give in to love. Ooh. No V. All right. Mr. DG's coming back for y'all. Well, you convinced me, Lovey. I think I'm going to give in to love. <laughs> it, was very, it was very persuasive the way you sang that. It's all I could go for. It's if I was a bunny, for. I would just surrender at that point. <laughs> Did you hear that, bun? Surrender already. <laughs> um, oh. So next we have this amazing interview with Jenny Brown. The amazing She's Jenny so Brown. She's so busy all the time. We had to, we had to like, <laughs> hold her down. We had to... <laughs> duct tape her to a chair just to get this interview <laughs> I wanted to use staples but but we, we used uh, humane duct tape yeah so it totally was, it was like, not made of real ducks yeah free range <laughs> duct tape <laughs> no ducks were harmed in fact many were saved yep yeah um, so 
So Jenny Brown uh, puts on this hoedown every year with the, the, the folks. I mean, there's so many people involved that do so much yeah. great stuff. The there. July Jamboree was, it was my it's first It's just like time. a team, but it's like a happy team. Everyone's happy working. Yeah. There's some volunteers. It was great to be a part of it and see how it goes behind the scenes, on yeah. front of the scenes. And there was a lot of kids. Lil V was working in the craft palace. Yeah, we made some cow puppets and sheeps out of our hands and <laughs> necklaces cut out of wooden wooden necklaces of animal shapes. Yeah, you were just living it up. Oh yeah, we had a bouncy castle. Bouncy castle, you know, face did, painter. Hula were you hoops. there for adult hour in the bouncy castle? No, I missed. Nobody invited <laughs> me. <I think>. Oh, <laughs> it was great. I, I missed out on that kind of stuff. But the July Jamboree was very family friendly, much more than I thought. So the food was amazing. Yeah, like hands down. Let's give it up for the mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean. I'm that. holding my recorder in one hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was just great to have the opportunity to interview the wonderful director and co-founder, Jenny Brown. Hi, Derek. (laughs) Hello, V. Hi, Jenny Brown. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's very exciting to be here. This is Lo V's second time. Excellent. Yeah, it's phenomenal here. I'm in love with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Yesterday was a good day. Yeah. Well, uh, how, how do you think, uh, compared to previous years, how'd this one go? I think this was the, it was our annual jamboree, and it's basically just like a big summer fest, and it's a day, you know, we're always doing education on the weekends when we're open to the public, but this is a day that's really, it's kind of a food advocacy event. It's, it's um, lots of great vegan food for people to try, vegan ice cream, desserts, donuts, um, the line for food was, you know, crazy long. Uh, we brought in over ten thousand dollars. I Whoa. think it was, you know, with no silent auction or anything like that. That was just food and drinks and admission and merchandise sales. So we had a really successful day. It brought in a lot of people, um, hundreds of people, I would say, and great music, really good fun, like-minded people, some people that are veg curious and coming to check things out so it was good <laughs> and so uh could you could you catch catch me up there's three new bovine critters here oh yeah what's, well what's their stories their stories are well two of them are slaughterhouse escapees and the other girl is um was used as a milk demonstration uh animal for a long time at this farm that's kind of like a heritage uh, open to the public, nonprofit place where uh, they just kind of show people how farming used to be back in the day and other agricultural programs. But so Maybell had four calves taken away from her in order to wow. keep her milk production up so they could show people how to milk cows. And they finally decided, whoops, they finally <laughs> decided to um, do away with that program and let oh, her come yay. here. And then um, Kaylee and Mike Jr., both in the past year, have bolted from slaughterhouses, been on the news, uh, had a lot of people sort of championing behind them. And, um, you know, they were both able to find sanctuary because of the, uh, you know, the outcry of the public to make sure that these animals, uh, you know, not that they're any different or special than any other cows, they just found the opportunity to get the hell out of there, you know, because they can smell the fear, they can smell the blood, they know what's going to happen to them, and uh, I would do the same thing. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, it seems fairly common that this happens, that cows escape from slaughterhouses. I mean, not, not in the big picture, but... Well, you know, especially in urban areas, and, and Kaylee had escaped just out of outside of Philadelphia, and then Mike escaped um, from a slaughterhouse in New Jersey. So, you know, these are more urban areas. It makes the news. People see them, you know, it's an interesting phenomenon because people then see them as an individual. They root for the one cow. But then, sadly, there's usually not this connection where they may go home that evening and have a hamburger or a steak and never make that connection because that's how disconnected we are from um, these animals, even though they're on our plate three times a day. People never see them, interact with them, and they kind of mentally rather keep their distance. And that's part of what we do here is to get people re-engaged, to see them as individuals, to come out and meet any one of our 200 rescued farm animals and uh, learn their stories, meet Andy the pig and what's specific about him. And, oh, by the way, give him (laughs) a big old belly rub and he'll give you kisses with his, you know, his cute, dirty snout, you know. (laughs) They see them, and when you make that connection, like, well, you know, Andy was going to become bacon. Bacon. You know, bacon that everybody's craving. (laughs) Bacon, and, you know, they're making chocolate with bacon and bacon donuts and bacon drinks. I mean, it's so sad because especially since it's like so trendy and bacon you know pigs are smarter than dogs and um it's a highly intelligent animal that they're talking about that died for the trivial pleasure of our palates and to me that is ethically wrong and you know but that's the sort of foundation that woodstock farm animal sanctuary was built from i feel like there's a a great injustice, and that animal rights is the social justice justice issue of our time. So, back to the jamboree, though. This was a day. <laughs> to Jenny Brown with her talking points. Bam, <laughs> bam, bam. <laughs> this was a day, though, that people uh, can just come out, try food, hula hoop, do kids yoga, get their face painted, do some crafts, make a cow puppet, <laughs> get in the bouncy castle. We had we had adult hour in the bouncy castle. I saw adult. Oh. And you know who I saw in there? It was um, Timothy Pacarat, I think it's how you say his or Pacarat, who wrote um, Every 12 Seconds, this new uh, book that came out a couple of months ago about his working, I think, for six months in a slaughterhouse. As part of oh, a oh yeah, I saw that yeah, at, for his doctorate or something, he was um, basically studying the politics of sight and how so much violence is behind closed doors and out of sight and out of mind, and uh, that's that's a you know a crazy phenomena that I think happens in our society, where we say we're opposed to cruelty to animals, but somehow these animals get excluded. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm particularly curious about the rabbits. Uh, I, they're not they're like they're not much attention to them, and I feel like they're you know rabbits are by nature kind of like shy away from the spotlight. Yeah. But wh- what what's the story with the rabbits here? We don't have many rabbits because yeah. I'm you know with any animal I insist that they have an indoor area, an outdoor area, and um, you know of course you've got to dig their fencing down so that they can't burrow out. So we typically only have about six rabbits here, and they come from various situations, neglect, uh, and then we just took in two large 
white yes, lab yeah. rabbits that were used for injection practice by veterinary students and had been living in a laboratory in cages isolated for years. And you know, there's places, there are breeding facilities that breed these lab rabbits. And somebody made a really good point one time. I was at, you know, some sort of vegetarian festival or animal rights conference and these ladies that were there with like a bunny advocacy group and a bunny rescue made the very good point that rabbits should be the animal rights poster child because they're used for fur, they're used in laboratory testing, and they are used for meat. Yeah. And um, yeah, they are sort of the silent yeah. little guys here. You know, a rabbit, you don't hear of rabbit being factory farmed, but indeed they are. Yeah, absolutely. But of course the cows, pig, and chickens, and the turkeys outnumber them by far in this country. So we really pay attention to those animals that people on a regular basis, typically three times a day, the dairy, the eggs, the the beef, the hamburger, uh, the turkey the slices, yeah. and the chicken breasts on yeah. everything meet these animals and know that they live a pretty miserable life and that their bodies have been bred to be abnormally large and they have health problems and issues and we have to stop and think are we living our values are we becoming a morally bankrupt society because you know moving in this direction we are but the blessing is more and more people are learning about the cruelty learning about the environmental problems of animal agriculture and learning about the many health implications and look at obesity in this country. It's yeah. embarrassing and it's sad and it's what's bankrupting our health care system and it's all connected, you know. All this meat and dairy is, you know, heart disease in this country and, uh, you know, a lot of um, major cancers. Your chance of, you know, getting breast cancer, ovarian cancer, um, and all sorts of other cancers are your, your, you know, your chances of getting them are drastically increased when you eat meat and dairy, and um, it's it's just time to really truly reevaluate our food system. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. One last question before we go, or one last thing. So, um, one of the things that I'm very excited about, excited about uh, right now is that you have a new book coming out, and oh. so you should give a little plug for that. Okay, here's a little plug, because I know I'm talking a lot. Uh, <laughs> the book is called The Lucky Ones, and it comes out August 2nd, 2012. It's right around the corner. It's less than a month away. And, um, you know, I'm excited about it. It is um, partially memoir, because that's what, uh, I, you know, I was approached to do the book, and that was what they were interested in, because I grew up in Kentucky, and you know, from a Southern Baptist conservative household and ate meat every day of my life and had cancer as a child, lost a leg, worked in film and television for 10 years, did undercover video for both PETA and Farm Sanctuary, then went on to start my own sanctuary. So that's the life in a synopsis. <sighs> and it's also my philosophy and about um, our relationship with animals and our sort of uh, dominion and oppression over animals and a lot of information about uh, the cruel farming practices and basically the message that it's not just a fight about factory farms you know and going to a more of a locovore loco uh, lifestyle locovore lifestyle it's I'm against 
animal agriculture. I don't think we should be farming sentient beings, especially when there is no nutritional need for them in our diet. And in fact, all major studies, nobody is denying that a vegan diet is the healthiest diet one can have. So then to eat animals, what it really comes down to is to eat so, is to do so out of habit and taste and, and those aren't good enough reasons to continue inflicting suffering on other living beings because we think they taste good. It's killing us. That's karma getting back to us. And, um, you know, so that is a lot of what the book's about. You know, it's, it's sort of where we are in the world, how I came to this awareness, how this awareness is growing, and what we do here at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary. And, of course, it's got some really touching animal stories in it. And uh, kind of the, the love story between Doug and I, too, because, of course, Ooh. I could not do this without my faithful partner and husband, Doug Abel. She's already taken, guys. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, and there's some uh, Derek Goodwin photographs in there, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Derek Goodwin does our photos for every event and everything we're doing around even here. A wedding, Boy, even Derek a wedding picture. Talented. And the wedding pictures. He does fire spinning for us. <laughs> Dude does some oh, yoga no, with on, us. A little music, singing and <laughs> music. dancing. Yeah. yeah. Me and Lil V played, Hula hooping. played a set. You have been part of our entertainment and the capturer of that entertainment. I know. It's a hard double duty. It is a hard double duty. <laughs> Nobody anyway. took pictures of us playing. Oh, I can't even believe I walked away after saying twice to you. I will take those pictures. I will get you while you're on. <laughs> but, you know, that's We got me. a video, though. It's, I'm sorry. It's cool. Good. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jenna Brown. Thank you for having me. Well, thank and you for having us. This was an amazing event and weekend in general. Cool. Glad you guys liked it. We'll be back every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that was literal oh, yes. there. Every weekend. Every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They got to they got to build us a high speed rail from New York City to Woodstock. <laughs> well, anyone who wants to spend a weekend at Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary can go to and stay in the B and B they have there. B and B. The B and B that is bed and breakfast. It should be. And they have a kitchen you can use, so you can bring some food and make your own lunch and dinner. If always vegan, of course, because yeah. cruelty free is the way to be yeah. at the farm sanctuary. Wow, you're on a roll. <laughs> Low V. <laughs> um, yep, next next uh, episode will be our hip-hop version. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a whole bunch of rhymes set aside From for that From hippie one. to hip-hop. <laughs> we do it all. <laughs> That's what love is, right? It's love, everything. Love is. Yeah. All right, well, um, thanks for tuning in. Um, we have a website, veganradio.com. We have a Facebook page and a... Twitter. Tweet, tweet tweet. We tweet tweet. We give vegan tweets. Check us out all over the interwebs. You can hear us from Twitter to Facebook and veganradio.com. All right. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, DG. Bye, Lil V. Well, I came across a vegan child and she was walking along. Road. And I asked to tell me where are you going the she told me She said I'm going down to the Woodstock Farm Animal Sanctuary I'm going to where the animals are free I'm going to get 
Lovie's gonna come back up and put some more of that honey nectar into the atmosphere. <laughs> 